Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitaki, and I want to welcome you today to... This should be podcast number 27, I believe. So uh, we're plugging along with the podcast, and hopefully hopefully you guys are getting some value out of this. I, I enjoy doing them and uh, definitely enjoy getting a chance to talk to guests like my guest today, You know, somebody that I've known about for a while, but kind of as I continue to get to know more about him, I'm really, really intrigued. I'm, 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 I'm tuned in. I'm excited to see kind of where he goes and what he does. So uh, I want to introduce my guest today. His name is DJ Patterson. He's the founder of EcoGreen Mobile Detailing, and uh, he's a young entrepreneur here in the Tulsa area. First and foremost, DJ, welcome to the podcast. And uh, thank you. If you don't mind, kind of give everybody a little bit of a, a kind of a background about who you are, what got you started, in, in, in what you're doing, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, so I've been in business for uh, about seven years. Um, I took a leap a long time ago, about right out of high school and started my own business, kind of out of the trunk of my car uh, type of deal. I just learned along the way. Um, you know, I didn't really finish college because I wanted to pursue my uh, dream as an entrepreneur and, and just continue to create and grow and innovate uh, my business. So um, a lot of learning uh, along the way, a lot of obstacles. I have a family, I'm married. I've got two kids, a seven-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son. And we're actually foster parents, too. So we have two three-year-old twin boys. So as you can imagine, it's pretty busy in our home um, and along chaotic with running business. Is there, is there, Cha- is chaotic house? is a yes. better word. That's, that's <laughs> correct. Three three-year-old boys, uh-huh. much triplets. So I, I stay really busy. I'm really family-oriented. And I just I thrive on business and leadership. So this is a – I appreciate you having me on. This is a great opportunity for me to, um, yeah, just stay involved with everyone and, uh, yeah, hopefully share some knowledge or uh, – yeah. So I appreciate you having me on. Well, this is the Young Businessman of Tulsa podcast, and so first of all, you're a young businessman, which is fantastic. Uh, I always joke with Brian, who co-hosts with me sometimes, that we're not really young anymore. I'm 36, and so we're I, we're just hanging on to the dream right now. But uh, to have a guy like you on, uh, who's kind of in in the middle of it, that this is exciting. So um, cool. One of the reasons that I wanted to have you on, though, your business is uh, it's, it's mobile detailing of cars. And so that's, yes. that's very service oriented. And so very. as we have a lot of different, uh, different people who are guests on the show, I always want to kind of get a little bit of kind of into their mindset, kind of get an understanding of, you know, how they do and uh, what they do and what, what has made them successful. And as I was kind of talking to you, I, I think you're an awesome guy. And as I've gotten to know you, you're really personable. So I, I get it how you would be successful because well, of your you. personality and your drive and everything else. So, but my question was, and what I wanted to kind of put out to the audience is, how do you translate the passion that you have and the service that you provide to your team? Because you're in such a service-oriented industry that it all it, like people when they're when they're buying your product, they're buying you. But you're mm-hmm. not the guy who's always 
cleaning the cars and, and doing all of the service related stuff. So how do you communicate that to your team? How do you cast the vision and put the passion out there so that they get the same experience as if you were doing it? It was a very difficult, um, journey and process of, of, of finally fine tuning it. I believe I've kind of got it down to, I wouldn't say a science, but, um, I have really low turnover now. Um, so our hiring, it starts our hiring process. So we, we cast the vision when we're in our, in our interviews, we let people know, um, what we're about, um, what we do, um, what our core values are, what we, we value customer service. I tell my story about where I've come from and let them know that quality is, is the highest, most you know important value that we have. So just letting them know up front what they're getting themselves into. Um, they come and do a ride along with us as well uh, just to kind of see what it's like to be in the field because I really want to make sure and weed out people that don't belong or wouldn't fit in. Um, so I'm not interviewing for, for our benefit, but more for their benefit as well to make sure that they can um, you know, conform to, you know, what, what we believe in and be able to live that out with, with their uh, contribution to the company too. So I believe it starts with the hiring process, finding great people that are, that are fit, um, for our culture. Um, we have routine meetings, um, you know, every other week to just cast vision where the company is going. So we really like for the, our team members, we don't even call employees, our team members to just be involved and have a, have a say in the company. So, um, we're very open-minded to what, um, we let them be a part of the company and, and con- contribute their own ideas. So if they have a great idea then, and it's great, uh, we'll jump on it. We'll take it and we'll run with it and you know we'll give them credit for it. So they feel uh, involved with the growth of the company because even though we're seven years in, I feel like we're still at the ground level at, in, in, some, in some cases. So um, them having some involvement in the company and seeing their ideas grow the company keeps them more engaged and more involved. So they feel uh, a part of the company, not just uh, an employee, you know, working for whatever amount per hour. So you talk about empowerment essentially is, is, sure. is kind of giving them that, that ownership uh, exactly. mentality. So where did that come from for you? Is that just something that you've kind of always had in your, in your mind or, or is that something that you learned from somebody else and you were able to kind of try to figure out a way to pass that on? Um, I'm really, like I said, I didn't, I didn't complete college all the way. So I didn't get all the um, I, I didn't do all that, but I, I'm very, um, input is one of my strengths. Uh, we do the strength finder test with our team members too, but one of my top five strengths is input. So I always, I'm always reading books and, uh, listening to books and sometimes podcasts when I have the time and, and I'm always just soaking in information. Um, so I believe I've just kind of learned it over time through, um, you know, self-development, um, on my own and, uh, just kind of mesh it into what I want my company to be. So um, a lot of it's, you know, some it's myself too, but a lot of it's just kind of things I've heard and learned along the way and just kind of took bits and pieces from different parts of where I've learned and kind of put it in my own business. Yeah. I love how you talk about, first of all, hiring uh, for the kind of people that you want and and casting the vision. Uh, I think it's important to get that stuff out there in the front end. So they kind of know what the standard is. Um, oh, absolutely. I've been in I've been in kind of two different worlds where one is like it's very well defined and you know what it is and everybody's like rowing in the same direction. And then the other side of it is is you you just you kind of don't know what you're doing. You're you know you're supposed to show up and you know you're supposed to do things, but you're kind of on your own and mm-hmm. I, I think for some people that's actually they they would it's scarier for them to be in a situation where they ne- don't necessarily know what to do. Yeah, we we everyone has job descriptions. We call them KRAs, which are key results areas. So everyone knows what their description is, what they're supposed to do, what's expected of them every day. So there's no miscommunication. There's no I didn't know I had to do that, or they don't feel uh, like they're not 
maximizing their time here. Everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing within their own role. So there's no miscommunication or uncertainties. I want to pivot a little bit on that because I do want to talk a little bit about your path to becoming an entrepreneur. Um, you'd mentioned that you didn't get all the way through college and you kind of jumped out and I know a little bit about your story cause I was able to kind of sit in on, on, on you talking about kind of what got you into this, but, uh, you do talk a little bit about taking that jump, taking that leap of faith into entrepreneurship and, uh, ultimately becoming an entrepreneur kind of walk me through that process. What led you to that point where you kind of overcame those fears of, kind of walking away from a steady flow of income and, and a good job to kind of push yourself to that next level. Cause I think a lot of times people, when they uh, are considering something like this, they get stuck because they, mm-hmm. they know they want to do it, but they're like, man, I got a house payment. I got a family. I got kids. I got all these different things. So what kind of propelled you to that? And, and what kind of, uh, at what point did you kind of turn around and say, all right, this was the right choice? So I was working at a uh, car wash and detail shop in Bigsby. Um, and I was, I think, right out of, right out of high school. And uh, I was in, in management. One of my good friends are now mentor, uh, well, good friends and mentor now, but he actually had ownership in the car wash. And uh, he actually left to go pursue you know, his entrepreneur dream or whatever. And I was left to run the car wash, essentially. So I was, like you said, I was making good money. I had a steady salary at at my age was definitely something to brag about being on salary and making what I was making. So I was comfortable. I was fine where I was at. But I recall him calling me one point and said, hey, man, I've got this product. It's a waterless car wash. You can wash car with no water. What do you think about, you know, you should think about doing a mobile business. And I said, no, that's that's snake oil. There's no way you can wash a car with that water. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm in the car wash, you know, as we're talking to like, the, you know, you, you own a car wash, you know, why are you even bringing this kind of stuff up? So long story short, I tried it out and I fell in love with it. And uh, I just remember one day I just just decided to just quit the job and go go mobile. There was a lot of clients there that were requesting us to mobile services at their home. And, and the owners, they just weren't happy. They didn't they wouldn't allow that. So. I saw an opportunity there, and I, you know, I had this waterless solution, so um, I didn't need any big trucks or trailers or power washers. I had a, a 1999 Ford Contour, actually, so nice. I quit my job. I gave my two weeks, quit my job, and I worked out of the trunk of that for a long time. Uh, very humbling, too. I mean, to, you know, I'm just working out of this little, you know, old car and uh, just going house to house. But I had about five clients that stuck with me from the car wash, and and uh, it. It was a very depressing time, honestly, because I, I went from making that you know good steady flow of income to making really nothing. I actually had to move back home for a little while because I just wasn't making any money. So it was a very very tough time. But um, my personality, I just kind of stick through it. You know, I don't let something you know hold me back. So I was already out there, so I just kept on you know rolling with it, and I kept growing and growing and growing. And you know, here we are today with. Uh, you know, three mobile trucks that are fully wrapped and several em- employees and or team members. And uh, it's just been great. So my advice to anyone that's on that fence is just to jump. I mean, you're going <laughs> to you're going to fail. You're going to uh, learn, learn along the way, but you'll never, ever be ready if you try to plan every little aspect of whatever, you know, adv- uh, endeavor you want to go into. It's just it's just not going to work that way. So you just got to jump and and uh, just learn along the way. That's the best advice I can give to anyone that's kind of on that fence. That's great. I, I hear that all the time, but I know how scary it is on the other side of it too. It's it's you see that need there, and you're like, man, I feel like I should do that. Or you get to the other side of it where you know you're watching TV and this commercial comes on, and you're like, I had the idea for that product, and I exactly. had that idea ten years ago, and I totally should have done it. And, and then that regret kind of sets in, and you're like, yeah, man, did I miss out on that big opportunity? Uh, yeah, I, I I totally get it. It's it's one of those things where I think just overcoming that fear is the hardest 
part because in your mind you're you're just looking at I have these bills to pay or what if I have to move back in with my parents or do these kinds of things and I think you're kind of an example of yeah that 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 can happen but on the other side of it look at the growth potential look at the opportunity that's on the other side yeah definitely I do want to ask you um, kind of while you're going through that I mean it's a struggle right it's it, it's not all you know flashy it's not all glamorous or anything else like that so kind of when you were in those first six months first year first year or so what did you do to encourage yourself what did you do to kind of keep plugging along and 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 really kind of keep going and, and, and with the end in mind of, of getting it to a point where, you know, you could support a family and then ultimately start supporting employees? I think I'm a very, uh, that's a hard question. I'm very driven and I just didn't want to, um, I guess, how do I say this? Uh, I wasn't comfortable with just failing and then going to work for another company. After I had a little taste of freedom and that freedom of time, even though I wasn't making good money, uh, I never wanted to go back to working for a nine to five or working for someone ever again. So I just kept pushing myself um, just because I, I wanted to succeed and overcome that obstacle um, and just say that, wow, I, you know, I pushed through that hard time in my life and, 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 and uh, you know, I succeeded. So it's just, I don't know, just pushing myself just to not, not fail, honestly. No, that's great. I mean, we all have to continue to push. We got to believe in ourselves because if you don't believe in yourself, what I've learned is that people say they do, but in most cases they don't. You got to be sometimes your biggest cheerleader and you got to tell yourself to keep going, to keep pushing on, because if you truly have that desire and that goal to reach out there and achieve something like that, there's going to be a lot of people that are probably on the other side of it saying, oh, he had to move back in with his parents now, or I, I don't know if this thing's going to, going to work. He's trying to wash cars without water. This just doesn't make any sense. Oh, that was the hardest part right there, yeah. honestly, is getting <laughs> over that. So, But I had a lot of support. You know, Family and friends would help me out here and there on certain on, you know, on different jobs, but I had a really big job to do, and I'm, I'm alone you know, working out of my trunk. So um, but I had a lot of support in the earlier days from from close friends and family that would come out and and uh, and help me get through some jobs. So it was yeah, I definitely had a, some support there with family and friends. Yeah, well, Eco Green is very environmentally friendly. You kind of get that from the name, but uh, it's actually a differentiator, right, for you. So, and they say that the the riches are in the niches, and if you niche down, that that's the best kind of place to be but part of me says that you're excluding this huge market right like some people don't care about the environment or they're maybe not going to be willing to pay that extra amount and so 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 what led you to really embrace that that niche of the business and did you start to question it at, at any point saying well maybe maybe mobile isn't the best way for me not necessarily mobile um there was a time when in the first few years actually maybe the year three or so we use the phrase waterless, and I think that was to our disadvantage because we had a lot of people that would call and and uh, or see us, you know, online or whatever, and they, and they would not use us because our because it was waterless. So they didn't like that. Uh, no one accepted that at all, really. I mean, it kind of hurt us. So we actually changed. Uh, we rewrapped our truck, or we, I think it was one truck at the time, maybe two. We rewrapped our trucks to say in all our business business cards and all our branding to say uh, eco friendly. So. People really didn't catch on to we were waterless until we were actually on site, and then we'd actually show them the product working. So our business began to ramp up a lot after that. But you know, I, I really believe that I know we're, we may be missing out on maybe missing out on some business with the way we do things, but we really promote convenience over environmentally friendly um, when we're speaking to people or the message we put across. You know, on our social media platforms is 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 convenience, um, and then people just 
uh, you know, they naturally feel good about using a company that, that uses plant-based products or saves a lot of water or does good like we do. So I don't really see it as a disadvantage to us in a sense or that we're missing out on, on a new market because I do believe um, that eco-friendly detailing in general is the way of the future. Uh, I think in about maybe 10 years is too generous, but I think in the next several years that all detailers will have to use a waterless or rinseless product um, in order to do business because I don't think water is going to be around forever for us to just use as we want. I know in Oklahoma we don't have that problem, but places like Arizona or California, I mean, they got these guys are getting fined left and right for using water. Yeah, and it kind of goes beyond that. I know one of the, the missions that you have, one of the goals you're working toward is, is, is actually taking the company and making a difference in areas that uh, – don't necessarily have that kind of access to water. So kind of kind of tell me a little bit about the motivation behind that. Yeah, so we've been working with the company pretty closely over the past couple of years um, called Water 4. And it's a project we're about to start um, this year, I believe, to where uh, Water 4 is a company out of Oklahoma City. Um, they go to water-stricken communities across the world, and they teach these communities that don't have access to clean drinking water how to build and maintain their own water wells. So they're not the company that goes in, puts a water well in, takes a few selfies with some people that look like they, you know, they're less privileged than us and, and come back home. They actually go and they teach these people um, how to drill their own water wells, how to maintain their water wells and and uh, and just empower, you know, these communities so that they can feel empowered like they're actually making a difference in their own communities opposed to, you know, us Americans coming over and, you know, giving them a handout. So uh, we really researched the company we wanted to work with because we knew we wanted to do good in the world and use our business as a platform to do good. Um, but it was a matter of choosing that company we wanted to work with. So, you know, we have plans to, you know, have our own teams that are out there building water or helping, um, teaching them how to build water wells and maintain their water wells. And um, that's a part of the company we want to, a uh, part of the business we want to have is just having, you know, our own teams across, you know, across the world doing those kind of things. So uh, I believe, you know, since we're saving so much water, we want to do good and be able to give back. I think it's a great platform for us to do to, uh, to, to live out that stewardship core value that we have. Do you believe that when you do things like that, when you give back and you, and you try to find ways to use the company as also a vehicle to help other people, that that's another thing that helps your employees really uh, grab onto the ownership of what the company's doing? That's exactly it. Cause when we do, you know, when we do interview and we do talk about, you know, our mission and we have our team meetings, I mean, it's always on the table. Like, um, we, we don't want there to be a, a cap or a ceiling on our company um, to where you get to a certain point and that's as much as you can do or much as you can make. So, like I said, we want to have, you know, divisions in our company that's solely focused on that stewardship core value, that, um, you know, giving water and, and being able to go and, on mission trips or wherever to go and, um, and, and help with these projects across the world. So, um, our team loves that, loves the idea of the project and, and, and the direction we're going with that. So it definitely is a, is a driving force because they can see the future and not just a ceiling on their, uh, on their job. Yeah. They say that, uh, I talk about a, millennials a lot on this and it's because I am one. Uh, I know you're definitely likewise. One. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm like the older millennial. So I'm, I'm like right at the cutoff between Gen X and, and uh, millennial, but I fall into the millennial category. But one of the things that they say about millennials is that they are very, they're very mindful of giving back. They're very charitable. And yes, it's kind of, it's, 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 it's kind of weird to me because you see some of the descriptions of a millennial who is essentially somebody who's like looking out for myself and, and more like, um, entitled, but at the same time, they're one of the most charitable people in the world. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see how all those things work together. 
Yeah, I, I believe that people want to work for a company that's actually doing good and they're, they're doing more than just, you know, using them as a tool to make, you know, to, to bring in revenue. Um, just knowing that they're at a place that's making a difference or looking to make a difference in the world or the community or what, what have you, I think it's key for, for millennials for sure. Yeah, it's uh, one of the things that, um, man, I can't remember who I was talking to about it, but ultimately when it comes down to like business in general, it's business is business, but really it's people doing business with people. It's about relationship. It's, it's about the community of, you know, your company and the community of your customer and, and us trying to help you. We're trying to provide that value. We're trying to fill that need. We're going to do this service for you, which is going to help you grow. And I think sometimes we think that it's much bigger than that. We think it's all spreadsheets and accounting and QuickBooks and, yeah. and marketing and, and uh, office supplies. And I think ultimately when you get down to it, it's about one person talking to another person. I can't, I can't tell you how many different either salespeople I've talked to or managers I've talked to or directors I've talked to. And as you're talking to them, you're realizing this is it. Whether or not I have this conversation, like if I'm going to fly across the country and talk to uh, a potential customer, I'm doing that for the relationship and from the relationships where the, where the business comes. And that's what I love about the service that you do because you're, your product is a clean car, essentially, but really, it's it's you're saving people time. Uh, you're giving them like uh, you're, you're making their car look wonderful, so you're giving them that satisfaction. And so ultimately, it's just about helping other people. Absolutely. Well, one other thing that I wanted to kind of kind of ask you about because I know you're a young entrepreneur and you're you have a family and you've kind of grown like this has kind of been your career. Uh, as you've kind of grown a family, how, how do you find that balance? Because ultimately, sometimes when you when you think about the world of being an entrepreneur and being a small business owner and, and trying to grow and trying to scale, like a lot of times it's hard to separate those things. And I know your wife works with you now. So, yeah. so how, do you, how do you find that balance of like work life and then also home life? It's tough. It's tough. And we're both young and we're both driven and we're very – very business minded together, which is kind of why we're very compatible. We can sit and talk business, not just our business, but business in general for hours. Um, but we just kind of have to, when we get home, we just turn it off. We just try to put our phones away and, um, uh, you know, I'll try before I leave the office to return emails or whatever I needed to do to turn my brain off and engage with the kids when I get home. Um, and then about eight 30, you know, when they're, when we, then they go down, we can kind of either pick it back up or we can, you know, hang out and watch a movie, which we never do that. So we usually pick it back up and start working again. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, when, when we're home, we turn it off. And, and when we're with the kids, we try to engage with the kids. And uh, we, I try to be home by, you know, six o'clock every evening just to engage with the kids too. Some weeks I can, you know, be working pretty late in the evenings on some special projects here at the office and stuff. But um, it, yeah, we just, just try to stay engaged with the kids. And my wife and I are are trying to, you know, not make everything about business. That's another thing in a, in a marriage when you work together, especially is trying to talk about something else besides just the company all the time, because that can be, you know, the company's not, may not always be there. And when it's, if it, if, or when it isn't, you know, then what do we have? So, <laughs> you know, yeah, there, well, there's, there's pressure on it too, because I mean, your livelihood is, exactly. is, is completely tied to it. I was yeah. I was cracking up when we were talking at the event that we were uh, that I saw you at a couple of weeks ago, and it was like I think you said it was like the first time that you guys have actually been able to kind of just go out 
and uh, not not have the kids with you. Yeah, it's been a while, especially since we uh, started uh, started the fostering process. I mean, it's been about five months or so. Um, so we've really just been homebodies a lot, just trying to, you know, engage with the kids and just kind of get them acclimated to, you know, just, I, I don't know, I guess a normal, I wouldn't say normal, that's not, I don't know. Just, <laughs> we've been, we've been tied up with them so much that we haven't had a, a date night in I don't know how long. So that was a really good time to get out and just let loose a little bit and, and have some good time together. Now I do want to, if you don't mind, I, I, I'm curious because, so you got, uh, you're an entrepreneur, you started a business, uh, you're young, you're starting a family and then now you're incorporating fostering kids into this. So, so kind of what, 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 what drew you to that too? Because it sounded like, I mean, in terms of ex- excuses, you had plenty. So what, yeah. Yeah, what, what, what led you to kind of go down that path as well? <laughs> uh, we, we always wanted to have, we, we always wanted to have more kids. We were at a point we wanted to have another kid. We kind of felt selfish in a way just because we knew that there are other kids out there that don't have homes or, um, that could use a, a good home. And, um, my, uh, my mom was actually adopted and her mom was actually adopted from Haiti and brought here to, uh, to America. So, um, you know, we, neither one of us, my wife or, or I would not be here without, um, without someone being selfless and, you know, taking someone else in their home that really wasn't their own. Um, so it just kind of, just kind of felt like the right thing to do. Um, definitely the hardest thing we've ever done to be honest with you um it's not fun and games but it's uh it's it's been a great it's been a great time a great uh, learning experience for us we've grown a lot individually as, as as people and it's just been really cool to see uh see the kids just you know flourish so what would you say would be the one thing that you've learned from fostering children selflessness it's yeah. not all about me yep that's pretty much it <laughs> for me yeah it's just not it's not about me that's fantastic well dj thank you for for taking the time to speak to our audience and kind of share your heart and uh as as i'm able to learn more about you i, I just think it's it's awesome that you have such a big heart to to share your story to 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 help other people across the world but then also kind of go that next step and open up your home to help kids that are in need as well so i'm cheering for you i'm excited to see the growth that your company has that you have as an individual and uh, i'm definitely cheering for you so thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast and uh yeah, and share you. with our audience thank you i appreciate you having me on here Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.